Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We remember what Oakland felt like. So, um, you know, just having a piece of the playoffs and, and, and it definitely makes you more hungrier. And um, so I can only imagine what, you know, when the World Series feel like. So, you know, just that, that just makes me hungry there. So, you know, just trying to stay motivated and, uh, you know, continue to push to, you know, like I said, get the ultimate goal. Go White Sox. T.A., on the South Side Nine, Joe Ostrowski with you, Sports Radio 670, the score. So I completely dodged all the Pagoda stuff. I was pretty busy. A lot of stuff going on. I'm very busy, unlike you guys, right? Uh, so <laughs> I saw the Pagoda stuff was out, and I think people were mad online. I didn't really want to deal with any of that stuff. So I, I just read a quick story about the projections for wins and losses for both the Cubs and the White Sox. Okay, that was good enough for me. I didn't need to take a deep dive, all that stuff. I mean, just people overreact. Okay, fine, fine. Pakoda's wrong about stuff every year. They're right about stuff every year. Kind of like all of us. According to some of you betters, you were wrong a whole lot in the Super Bowl. Uh, I want to get – we're going to go uh, get some more details on that. Chris Altruda will join me in about 20 minutes on what happened with Illinois sports betting. Woo! It was a rough day at the books, people, and how much money the state made off you guys just for the Super Bowl. Mike Rankin, my executive producer, one of the biggest Sox fans in the world. Uh, Mike, do you want to start with the Cubs or Sox? Uh, whatever you want to do. We can talk Cubs. That's cool. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was not I, expecting I, well, you to the say Cubs that. Are, well, I can go on and on <laughs> for the White Sox sake, but with the Cubs, I think okay. I think it's interesting, so go ahead. That's a good idea because I have a feeling if we're going to do this segment, we're going back and forth. If you start with the Sox, it's going to be like 90% yeah. Sox, and I will <laughs> yeah. just barely get to the Cubs. So let's start with the Cubs. Okay, what record is Pakoda telling us for the 2021 Chicago Cubs? So it looks like the Cubs are finishing a little over 85 wins, 85.1. That's second in the division behind Milwaukee. Behind Milwaukee, they have 88, okay. almost 89 wins, and in third, St. Louis with 80 wins. Which one is worse, Milwaukee in first or the Northsiders in second? 
I think it's St. Louis in third, Joe. How is St. Louis projected right, right. 80 wins? But to your question, they're giving the Cubs a little bit of slack because I think of the number of superstars they still have on that roster. I know the the numbers the last season, I mean, you can even extend it to the year prior, weren't exactly up to speed on how we expect them to perform. But there were still a number of guys, mainstay, major league, top 10 players at their position that could help them offensively. Okay, um, starting rotation. Today, your number two is Zach Davies, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Hendri- Hendricks one, and then the Atlantic Ocean, and then we get to the the <laughs> names of Zach Davies, Alec Mills, Edward Alzali, right? You'll probably see Braylon Marquez, too, this year. Maybe, um, maybe. He, he might be a little maybe. bit. Maybe, I mean, he he's like, you look on the Cubs.com depth chart, like he's a six guy listed right now. Right, yeah, and he was. On you the have active, to have five. <laughs> well, he came up and and he made yeah he made that appearance in September, but I still think they're going to take it easy on him. I'm more concerned about Adbert Azale this year, and I don't know how much we can expect out of Braylon Marquez because I mean when he came up, he there there was in 1999 he was born, so he's still a youngin. Um, and he's still very raw. I mean, that fastball from the left side gets up in the you know upper 90s, 100 miles an hour. But he's got to learn how to pitch first and control that stuff. And we didn't see that yet. Yeah, and Alec Mills. Okay, yeah, he had a few great starts, and he had a, he had some bad ones too. That's what you're going to get from Alec Mills. I mean, after Hendricks, it's just okay. Let's see. Let's see what's going to happen. When you get to your two and three, it's how you should feel when you get to your four or five. That's the state of the Cubs rotation. And then holding down the bullpen, you still have Craig Kimbrell there. Maybe they found something in some of these other arms, but okay, let's not waste time projecting the bullpen because that's a fool's errand. You're, you're never going to nail that. But just knowing that the last line of defense is Craig Kimball, that's a lot of problems right there. Sure. And yeah, I'm with you on the bullpen because last year, my whatever that was. You see, here's the thing last year with the Cubs bullpen, I think they had just enough for when they won exactly how they wanted to win. So if everything went according to plan in a ball game, they had boom in the seventh, blam in the eighth, and then whoever they felt yeah. would work in the ninth, and that was it. But outside of that, if they had the middle reliever in the fifth, sixth inning, the bridge-type guy, they didn't have that reliable option. So it was more of a crapshoot in the bullpen last year. But when things went well, they had their their specific – relief pitchers that they could go to that they felt confident in. I don't know how that plan is going to differ this year because a lot of the same names I'm seeing are coming back. Real quick, back to the rotation. Obviously, that's one of the more important <laughs> things to, to solidify on your staff if you're trying to compete, right. which the Cubs are trying to do, by the way, in this division. you know They're getting rid of you, Darvish, but they're still trying. They went out and signed Jock Peterson, which I thought was a was a, um, a stellar move for, for their standards. I liked it. I liked the idea because... This division is still up for grabs despite St. Louis adding. Anyway, back to the rotation quickly. Hendricks, you mentioned Davies, Alec Mills, Adbert Alzole. Minor league deals, though, to Shelby Miller, probably bad. But Trevor Williams, I know Trevor Williams has the career ERA that shoots up, and you don't like to see that, but that's a major league pitcher yeah. that I think the yeah, Cubs yeah, are going to yeah. rely that's on. That's fair. That's fair. Um, they have a softball team, right? They're going to try and <laughs> smash it. Yeah. And. Yeah, you, you got Contreras. You still have Contreras at the time. Um, I don't think they're going to move Rizzo, more Nico Horner, Chris Bryant. I'm sure the Dakota projections are, aren't putting him in for a half a season. They're putting him in for a full season. You, you know, the real the real issue here is, and, and I think that 
man, I, I'm just not as quick to say that the old Javi Baez is going to be here because he was so bad. And I know it was tough last year and a lot of players, there were a lot of really good baseball players that had the worst year of their career. But Baez wasn't just bad. He was one of the worst players in all of baseball. I, I'm just a little hesitant to say that he's going to be the old Javi Baez. Totally fair. And we saw it last year and he came up with whatever he wanted to come up with saying, yeah, the energy wasn't the same without the fans. And also I just wasn't in the right mind frame with it. Hey man, you were in the MVP conversation the year prior and you're one of the heart and souls of not only the Cubs, but really in major league baseball. When you look at the athletes these days and especially at a prime position at shortstop, come on, man, pick it up. And this is what he's going to have to do this year. Well, now, and if you're going to use the excuse, and I understand why the Cubs are doing this right now, where they're saying, okay, Baez, as bad as he possibly could play, positive regression coming his way, he's going to be better. Chris Bryant's going to be better. Like, all these guys are going to be better. Okay, that's fair. Cool. I'm down with that. And I'll buy some of it. But then don't also say that you're going to pay me in half. Because if you're going to make that case, well, is Ian Happ going to repeat what we saw last year? Because... He was one of the best hitters in the lineup. I think it was a very pleasant surprise that the Cubs got what they got out of Ian Happ, and they're hoping that that continues. And I have reason to believe it does. This is a guy who's worked his way back up after making his debut, struggling, retooling his skill set in the minor leagues, coming back up and building that consistency we saw last year. So that's up in the air. But I think the Cubs are confident that He's going to be a major league regular enough to produce, maybe not to the standards last year, but I think he's at a point now in his career where they feel okay about him. We can't argue it's a bad division. So that's where a lot of these wins are coming from. I'm not getting caught up in the number. It's really about where they're going to finish there because there are going to be a, a bunch of wins that are just like free, right, in the division. If you if you can mash like this Cubs lineup should be able to, there are going to be a lot of wins there. Just It's probably the worst. Is it the worst division in all of baseball, Mike? Right now, uh, boy, that's that's a. Question. It's got to be right. Yeah, I mean, it's up there. It's up there. If, let me look real quick because outside yeah. of the NL West, I mean, Arizona, San Francisco, Colorado, those are bottom feeders. But you know, you have the two powerhouses, the yeah. Dodgers and Padres. So yeah, they might be. Yeah, right. Yeah, bottom feeders over there. I'm just thinking about the American League too. Like, yeah, they're. This is the worst division right now. That that's how it looks at least. And, and quickly, and, too, and part of the yeah, reason is they're not doing anything. These teams aren't doing anything. That's part of the reason. Yeah, and the owners are until the Cardinals. Hey, man, we got to manage budgets and prepare for the 2021 CBA negotiations. Uh, Real quick on the Cubs as we wrap it up. I know we have a guest coming on in a little bit. The expectations. Don't be so don't be so antsy, Mike. I mean, the people are cool. They can wait. They can wait five minutes. Here's why. Here's why I say that, Joe, is because we have White Sox talk to get to, and I'm chomping at the bit here. I know. But with the Cubs, when you look at their situation at this point. 85 wins, is that coming from we're, we're keeping everybody and adding at the deadline? Because they did sign Austin Romine. Uh, Are they trying to deal Contreras? Because that's the most valuable piece at this point that is expendable, at least in terms of, hey, you know, body work, the position. This is the You'll probably get a better haul for what you believe the value is for Wilson Contreras than opposed to uh, a Baez and a Bryant at this point. So things can totally change at the deadline here for the Cubs. And they, I think they're going to make that decision around that point, a wait-and-see type deal, because this team, I think, can compete. But if things fall off, they have no choice. Yeah, I don't I don't want to be the guy complaining about winning, but I don't think last year 
them winning that division was great for the future of the organization. Not that a lot of guys were getting dealt last year, but this year, okay, you're the best team in a bad division again. What is that going to do for you? Is it going to give you a first-round exit in the playoffs? It's just... And then you're not going to move, guys, and then you're going to make small additions again for for the final stretch run of the season. You don't really believe in the team because you're not going all in, and you also have the Dodgers and the Padres. You can't compete at that level. It's just, yeah, okay. The Cubs competing through the regular season I, at the trade deadline, I don't think that's the best thing for the future of the org. It's I just a, don't. It's an interesting dynamic, and I don't know if it's mutually exclusive because as a result of the division being poorly, the Cubs believe that they can go for it, but also at the same time, they're realistic in where they stand in the roster. That's why they traded Darvish. And well, right. And like I said, like because the division is up for grabs, they're like, well— we still believe in the talent, and we should be trying to win the division while also trying to figure it out, which is dangerous. Very I dangerous. Yes. What do we, I mean? Are we playing for division championships or world championships here? I just I know baseball, anything can happen, all that stuff. But what what do we usually see most years? Most years, it's the best one of the top few teams winning, right? Yeah, and they don't have the benefit I, of the expanded playoffs either, really. At least at this point. Yeah, yeah, I want to talk about the, that coming up. All right, let's get to your White Sox. What does Pakota tell us about the 2021 White Sox? So the White Sox... And did you cry? Uh, no, I didn't, and I didn't, and I'll, I'll give my explanation as to why I, I wasn't as strongly reacting to the 83 wins that... Uh, I had the soundbite ready, but I forgot. Anyway, uh, the 83 wins for the That's Pakota fine. standings here in the, in the Central. So Minnesota at 90.6, Cleveland 85.7, which I thought was interesting, and then the White Sox third at 83. Mm-hmm. How? How are they one game better than 500? Explain that. How are they like uh, just r- basically a 500 team, right? They're sitting around 500. What? What? How? <laughs> With that lineup, does a corner out? Don't tell me a corner outfielder means that much. One that they're going to add in the regular season anyways. So I think, you know, anytime you deal with analytics and algorithms, it's fascinating because I think a lot of the uh, deterrent, like the things that really impact negatively this roster are the names like Ronaldo Lopez, Carlos Rodon. Maybe you want to lump in an, an Adam Eaton in there. You know, some suggest that, you know, maybe the data suggests that he's regressing enough to the point where that influences these numbers. But but, but you're yeah. talking about, okay, let's go over this one by one. So first you mentioned the rotation, Ronaldo Lopez, Carlos Rodon. Okay, the the five, right? So we're talking about the five spot impacting the win total that much? I would I would probably extend that to four or five because Dylan Cease is still a question mark, although this is a player. What about Kopech? And right, Kopech is a wild card. I mean, I don't know how they can account for the Kopech production when he hasn't pitched in what will be almost three years. But you're... You're better than solid at one, two, three, and and I think so. You mentioned four and five that Kopech's a bit of a wild card, and I'll grant you that. But it's not like the old White Sox where it's like okay, one guy goes down and and everything's a big mess. Like okay, you've got two starting spots up for grabs, and we've got Kopech, we've got Cease, Ronaldo Lopez, and Carlos Rodon. I'll go to war with that. I, I think two of those can work. 
Yeah, but like, what does the data suggest? You know, that's where they're getting these numbers from. The yeah. alg- algorithms are suggesting that, well, the, the production and the the hard hit contact rate and then also pr- trying to project, how do you project a player like Kopech who hasn't pitched, like we said, and then with Reynaldo Lopez, consistently inconsistent, and Dylan Cease hasn't figured it out yet and took a huge step backward last year. I mean, the fact that he's given up the number of home runs that he had uh, on top of the fact that he's not yeah. striking out, yeah, yeah. he's given up too much contact. And, like, this is an extension as to why I think Pagoda has the White Sox at 83 wins. It's because of the names like that that are bringing down the value. Hey, if they would have went out and added, like, a Trevor Bauer, this might be a 90-win Pagoda-projected team. Who knows? Okay, so we don't we don't spend enough time talking about the bullpen it's just all about the closer and i get it tough to project we all understand some of the smartest minds in baseball will tell you that uh but how do you as someone that covers the lower levels of the white Sox, and plug go ahead and plug your website but how do you feel about the depth of the bullpen really appreciate yeah uh, check us out futuresocks.com i mean that's what we do is cover white Sox minor league baseball and i think this is you could argue one of the best bullpens in the American League, and to extend on that, it might be the best in baseball. And I'm not going over the top and saying mm. that because of the value you get in Garrett Crochet. Now, the plan is, I see, I'm on the fence about this one, Joe. Is Garrett Crochet in the immediate is going to be maybe a, a long reliever because he's valuable. They want him out of the pen now. That's the thing. They want him now because they believe they can win. However, you draft him at 11 as a starting pitcher. And this was a guy in his going on his junior year at Tennessee who was projected to be the horse, the number one starter in the SEC for that Vols team. And the season. You don't think he's going to be? A, you don't think he's going to be a high leverage guy at some point this season? He, he, yeah, I'm sure he. Well, this, yeah, I, I think he's in the conversation. But you already have an Aaron Bummer. You already have a Cody Hoyer, and you know you're you're still valuing the Liam Hendricks signing, who can go multiple innings. I think that's. Another part of this, Joe, Liam Hendricks adds a lot of flexibility to this bullpen. He can go in the eighth if you need him to and then throw in a, a bummer or if you're confident enough, throw in Garrett Crochet. Matt Foster, Evan Marshall, those are quality middle guys. And then beyond that, Wilkin Cannon, a guy who hasn't pitched above advanced day but is going to take a major leap this season. He's in the system that's a guy like similar to Tyler Johnson, who was the next man up from the Schaumburg site, who was ready to get called up if necessary. So there is some backup in the minors that you can keep an eye on too. So that's part of the reason why I believe this bullpen is one of the best in baseball, the depth and then the uh, variability that you can implement in any sort of situation. So how are they going to handle the third slash fourth outfielder slash DH this year? I know sometimes it'll be Abreu, sometimes it will be Grandal, but most most days, okay, Abreu's going to be a first, Grandal's going to be catching. I wanted the White Sox to pick up another outfielder because it allows Eloy Jimenez to go to designated hitter. Now, the fact that they didn't add another hitter means that Andrew Vaughn is close, and I'm a believer in Andrew Vaughn. So we can expect mm-hmm. Andrew Vaughn at some point this season. He's going to get some time at DH predominantly. However, in the, in the immediate sense, in the early portion of the season, I don't know how long it's going to take the White Sox to call up Vaughn. He's going to be up at some point. He's just too talented. And, that, and I think that's, like I said, a part of the reason why they didn't invest in another bat. They believe in this kid. But Aloy, he can transition from DH. But the outfield situation, Robert can cover ground and center. You have Eaton and Wright. And then you can mix and match because Lieri Garcia is a part of this conversation. Adam Engel took a huge step last year, and I think the White Sox were 
already confident in Engel because they took so much time to develop this kid, and now he's finally starting to put it together uh, in a consistent sense. Mm -hmm. And then in, in, in terms of depth, Tim Beckham, I don't know, like this is a smaller under-the-radar signing. Oh, and yeah. He's going to have to make the roster, but I think with that addition, at least early in the season, you can move around a guy like Leary Garcia if you have to, an injury comes up, boom, Tim Beckham goes to second, and then you're still working with Nick Madrigal, by the way, who's dealing with the shoulder injury that he had surgery on, so his offseason is a little different. He's rehabbing and then going to have to deal with that coming into spring training. He sh he's going to be ready, though. He'll be fine, but that's just another option. So, okay. yeah, when yeah. it comes to the outfield situation, Engel, Eaton, you're going to see a variety of Garcia as well. So after we go through each position group, I'm even more confused. And just as confusing is why do they project the Indians to be better than the White Sox? That starting pitching staff is still quality, in my opinion. And I yeah. also yeah, and I also think Jose Ramirez, they you know, losing Francisco Lindor really sucks. And we talked about this the last time we were together. It just sucks mm -hmm. for the game and it sucks for Indians fans too. But they got a they got a major league shortstop back in return. So, you know, it's not the same, but it's still fine. They'll be fine. Uh, and there's still quality out. They, they did make an addition to the outfield before, boy, before it was Eddie Rosario that they added. Before they added Rosario, I was thinking this Cleveland team needs to make a move because the outfield is embarrassing. But that helps them a little bit. But, again, that starting pitching is enough Those top to be three concerned. are still, yes. yeah, those top three are still stellar. Um how about the back end? Like, if you compare the the Sox and the Indians, okay, the top three in the Indians are probably better because I think uh, their top three are have a little bit higher ceiling when you talk about Bieber, Savale, and Plesac. Uh Do you know any, do you much know about? We've well, seen some Logan Allen, but McK McKenzie and Moss, the back end. I'm really excited about Tristan McKenzie. Uh, not so much on Scott Moss. I think uh, that's still up in the air, but McKenzie is is the real deal. Electric stuff, upper 90s. Um, good mm. frame. He's growing into his frame, a little undersized, Man. but he is electric, and he pitched a little bit last year too. So um, it's like in the American League Central, you have to keep an eye on a lot of these young starting um, <sighs> minor leaguers. But like, How are they going to score? How are they going to yeah. score? Well, that, that, you know, <laughs> ask Pakoda. <laughs> that's my question. How are they going to score runs? Okay, good stuff. Uh, executive producer Mike Rankin there. There's some other baseball stuff I want to get to later on, probably next hour, about what they've agreed to for the 2021 season. Okay, so the numbers are in for sports betting on the Super Bowl in Illinois. Some of the numbers are staggering, and it could have been so much more. I'll explain on the other side. Chris Altruder will join me. Looking forward to this conversation. Joe Osho, 670, the score, the app. We trail three to nothing, but knock on the Kansas City door, the line of scrimmage, the KC8. Here's the snap out of the gun. Play action fake. Pass to Gronkowski. He's going to score a touchdown. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Holy Gronkaboli. He breaks the record. He's got his 23rd touchdown of the postseason from Tom Brady. Bucks Radio on Sunday, and that was the first touchdown of the game. And the number I saw was 18 to 1. Gronk to score the first touchdown. Oh, it's so easy when the results are in. I know a bunch of people had Gronk to score two plus touchdowns in the game. Everybody that Brady came brought in. Fournette, Antonio Brown, all those guys came through. Big performances on Sunday in the Bucks Super Bowl win. Joe Ostrowski with you. Sports Radio 670 the score. 
So how did the betting go in Illinois? Oh, there were a lot of you betting on it, legally at least. Uh, let's get some details. Uh, let's check it with Chris Altruda. He joins me on the Alpamonte Nissan Hotline, Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. He's on Twitter at Altruda73. Chris, always appreciate your time here on The Score. Uh, so tell us, inform all of us, uh, what were the Super Bowl betting numbers in our state? Uh, first off, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. So your betting numbers included a handle of 45.6 million, which was the amount of money bet, and the sports books collected a little over 7.65 million dollars. And so the state, just on Super Bowl bets, made 1.1. Is that accurate? 1.15 million. They get 15% <laughs> of the adjusted gross revenue from the operators. $45.6 million wagered on the Super Bowl in the state of Illinois. Was that more than you expected? I wasn't sure. I mean, I think one of the things that has played out as we've been getting the state-by-state reports is that it's been consistently 10 to 15% of what a state's monthly handle is. So in that regard, it has played out to that to that number given that the last report that the IGB released for November was $449.4 million. So at, at this point, like I've checked the monthly stuff, and I, and I know eventually, uh, maybe by opening day for baseball, we'll get the December numbers for, the, for <laughs> Illinois betting. It's unbelievable. They are so far behind compared to all the other states, Jersey, Pennsylvania, Nevada. We're the only, it's the only state we're still waiting for the December numbers. But well, that's, uh, a, yeah. that's a statutory thing. That's not, that's not any, any, any one group's fault. That's it. That's a statutory allowment that the, the books do not have to hand in the numbers until 30 days at the end of the previous month. And so, then the IGB essentially double checks them. And so you get yeah. that 45 day lag. So, so is that not, a, is that different than all the other states? It's different than just about every other state. Yes. Okay. But I also, I, I also think when you have a larger state like this, I think it's, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we want it now. We wanted it yesterday. But at the same time, I think when you have a market this large, I don't think there's anything there's any downside to double checking the math. <laughs> sure. I did, yeah, we don't ha- we also don't he- have even close to as many books in those other states, though, too, you know. Right. Also true. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, there, there's going eventually you're going to have a few more come in. Let's go there because you know it's uh, early a few hours earlier. I'm I'm looking. People are messaging me every day now. I, I don't know if they're sick of um, some of the books that we have here or the lack of options. Uh, but we've been at a standstill for quite some time. What what is the next book going to be, and is there a timeline? I think there are there are two books that are in the applicant queue for the IGB right now. One is Unibet that will be tethered to the Ar- the Argosy Casino in Alton, and also BetMGM, which we think is going to be the official book of Paradise, because what's going to happen is FanDuel is going to eventually move the license it has from Paradise to Fairmont Park as part of the plans to the Racino, mm-hmm. and then... With Paradise's connection to Boyd Gaming, that's how BetMGM enters at Paradise. 
One other one that could be eventual, we haven't seen anything from it, although the casino has opted for, has applied for a sports betting license is Joomers. And with Twin River buying Joomers, I believe it was in late September or early October, that will become Bally Sports. And again, I don't know what the timeline will be for that one, but that one looks to be what that mobile skin would be. Okay, so what do we have? We got PointsBet, DraftKings, FanDuel. You'd be going Bet- from five to eight. Or five, five to, to eight. Seven. Five to seven. Oh, oh wait, no, okay. Five to BetMGM. No, five to seven. Okay. So you'd be better at explaining this. So uh, another question I get consistently is, is because they see what's happening in Michigan with Barstool and some of the stuff that goes on in social media. And now Barstool is opening books. Um, what's happening? Do we have a Barstool branded book in the suburbs or we're going to have one? They just haven't flipped it yet. I believe based on what everything was pointing to is that Hollywood and Joliet is going to be the Barstool retail book. Whether they roll out a mobile book simultaneously with that is yet to be determined because they did do they did something similar in terms of doing the retail first in Indiana. But based on what everything seems to be pointing to is that Hollywood and Joliet will be the bar the barstool retail book with that um the ninety nine um the ninety nine restaurant I forget the the actual word that goes with it but mm-hmm. that that is the uh, connection involved. Okay, Joe Strowski with Chris L. Truda, SportsHandle.com is where you can find some of his work. Uh, the majority of mobile books, well, actually just legalized books, I, I shouldn't say mobile, are Canby books. When is DraftKings breaking away from Canby? That, that, that one I do not know the answer to. I know that every now yeah. and then you, you get something like this with these outages and everybody talks about, you know, with SB Tech and all that, but... I don't know when that happens. And the other half of the equation is also with Unibet. I believe that is also a Canby book, which would wind up making three in the state. And just in various locations. For those that don't understand what we're talking about with a Canby book, it means basically that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get the same lines at all these places. Some, uh, the books that are already Canby books right now, DraftKings and Bet Rivers, so you have the same, pretty much the same lines at both of those books, and that's why it's important. Um, points Bet, FanDuel, they are not the same. Same thing with Will Hill, right? They're, they are not yes. Canby. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, is is Will? I, I've had issues with Will Hill. Like, can you understand? Do you understand their their whole process of getting set up over there? Because I remember when they first opened, I tried to make a deposit and. It was such a pain in the butt, I just gave up. I'm not 100% sure. I had the same problems when they rolled out at first. It was actually funny because I actually had to go to customer service, and we had a prolonged back and forth, and they it was they kind of like admitted they rolled out a little – they got a little ahead of themselves, but at the same time, they, they seemed to have fixed anything. My big thing with, with William Hill is I'm not exactly sure when they're going to start expanding their offering. Because that seems yeah. to be the biggest the biggest hang up at this point. I mean, I don't think their I don't think their lines are anything. I guess, uh, negative is not the right word for it, but I I don't think there's anything wrong anything wrong with their lines. I, I'm just curious to know when they're going to start expanding their offerings to be more I guess 
you know, to have more as many markets or not as many markets, but competitive markets with FanDuel and DraftKings and BetRivers. Yeah. Points by that, by that extension. Yeah, sure. Um, but before we go too far along, I did want to go back to the Super Bowl. One quick thing that we were tweeting back and forth about this morning that you found fascinating about the Super Bowl numbers was the win rate for the books. Uh, please explain. So the win rate is the amount of money that the the operators collect off of the amount wagered. So, for example, in Illinois, the win rate was 16.79%. To put that in an easier term, it means that for every $6 bet by the public, one was kept by the sportsbook. Okay. And up until earlier this afternoon, that was the largest one among the, the, the highest win rate among the larger market states with sports betting. Pennsylvania came in at 17.62% today. And they had collected almost 9.4 million off of 53.6 million wagered. Mm. The two, the two big ones, Nevada and New Jersey, <laughs> both had eight figures in revenue, but they were also below 10% in win rate. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you can almost like, you know, extrapolate that if you know you had Illinois win rate on Nevada, it would have been somewhere near 20 million in revenue, well, but, they, but they collected 12 and a half, which isn't chatty. <laughs> I was actually kind of surprised that the win rate was only 10% in some states because I just looked at him like, okay, the heavy public team lost, the under came flying in, and most of the public was on Kansas City in the over. It didn't surprise me that the books did well, and it was a lower scoring game, so the hundreds and hundreds of props being offered, most of them went under, not the way most people bet. Right. No, I I agree with that. I, I, I was a little surprised that the win rate in Nevada was below 10. New Jersey, I think you have, I think there's just a larger market at this point with New Jersey than Nevada when you count, when you factor in the pandemic and just how much New Jersey uses mobile betting to to create a monstrous handle. I wasn't as surprised that one came in under 10. Nevada, I was a little surprised about. So when we look at the monthly numbers, and I know you do a great job of breaking it down and you'll do the same once we get the, the, the results of the December numbers, um, it see it seems for a little bit now. Now that we we have almost a full season, what of football? Once you include football, that Illinois fourth. You've got Jersey, Nevada two, Pennsylvania three, Illinois fourth. Uh, do you think, as far as handle per month, do you think um, we're going to climb past fourth anytime soon? I think that, I think Pennsylvania is a, is a tough one to get is a tough one to get over until you st- until you start adding more mobile operators. I think Pennsylvania had 12 mobile operators for the Super Bowl. You know, right college now sports. All, <laughs> right, and, and and you can yes, and you can also bet on on in state college teams. But I, I think until you start adding those six and seven mobile operators, mm-hmm. those are going to expand the handle more than increasing capacity at, reta- at, at the retail sports books. That's just a fact of life at this point. I think, you know, as, as Governor Prisker, you know, does his monthly renewal of Executive Order 2020-41 to keep remote registration, you're going to continue to see that betting handle, that mobile handle being 90% of the overall handle. I think you, you're eventually going to slide up to $500 million. I mean, obviously, you're going to have... But when February's report you know, comes around, you know, first pitch of opening day, you're gonna you'll probably see that five hundred million because of this forty five million dollar bump. You know, whether or not you sustain that in March with the NCAA next month with the NCAA tournament, 
you know, is a, is a, is a really legitimate question considering the fact that you're going to have Illinois as a top four team and you're not going to have access to them. Mm, but I also think, but you also might cancel that out to a degree because the entire tournament is being played next door in Indiana. So there might be a little more, there might be more recognition, more public recognition of it among sports fans who have the apps on their phone and say, you know what, I can look, I can read up on these teams a little easier and make those wagers. Have you also heard that they're going to get that fixed? And it's probably not going to be March Madness, but they're eventually going to get that fixed, uh, hopefully for college football season. I believe it. By the time I believe it's going to try and be done in time for college football season. I think it, I think it's too short of an order to get to get it done before the tournament. I mean, you have, I mean, you have that one now. Essentially, five weeks, and I'm not exactly sure of the number of days that the General Assembly's meeting, but, you know, also the fact that, you know, it has to go through, I believe, two or three readings to, you know, get up on the floor for a vote. And it's just, I mean, it's a process that's just too long and too short a time span for the NCAA tournament. But for the start of college football season, I can see it reasonably having a chance to be, to be taken away in that, in that case. How much longer is Pritzker going to continue with remote registration i mean we know these numbers wouldn't even be close if we uh, still had the in-person registration but uh how much longer is he going to continue to do this each month and boy would i be upset if i was paying a lot of money for a license and he took that away right before uh, my book was about to launch well it's it's a it's a combination of things i mean as long as you're operating under you know a disaster proclamation that allows him to renew these executive orders, you're going to continue to see that those executive orders be renewed. And also, if you have applicants in the queue for the Illinois Gaming Board, it's somewhat unfair to not renew the executive order if you're in the queue with this condition right now. Like, I don't, I don't know if it, you know, I don't know if it qualifies as illegal to let it lapse, but at the same time, you can make you can you can be like justifiably angry if you're if you're an operator saying, you know, why did you take this away? We were in the queue when you had it, when you renewed it an eighth, a seventh and eighth time. Yeah. Joe Ostrowski with Chris Altruda covers Illinois sports betting, sportshandle.com. Follow him on Twitter at Altruda73. This announcement today between PointsBet and the National Hockey League, uh, what does it entail and is it a big deal? It's a big deal in the sense that, you know, PointsBet is continuing to expand its footprint. It's, I mean, they're, they're, they're a curious bunch. Obviously, they, ha- they have plans with the Racino with Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. I think signing on with a league, you know, gets their foot in a little more in the door. I also think that it helps them in the fact that they have a pre they, they signed a deal with the Red Wings last month which is one of the NBC regional networks. And that becomes important because the NBC sports network, the national one is going away at the end of the year. Right. And they're going to start gravitating content over to Peacock. Now, whether the NHL we ups with NBC because they're in the last year of their 10 year deal that they signed back in 2011 is yet to be determined, but there's almost, but you can see both the NBC trying to like, you know, maybe sweeten the pot a little for the NHL. You know that you know we're we're tied you know we're tied to a sports betting operator. This does bring in money. You know they have three other NHL teams. They have you know NBC Sports. You know has the Blackhawks in a regional market. They have the Flyers in Philadelphia. They have the Capitals in Washington D.C., which is 
you know, you can now include Virginia and you can in all likelihood eventually include Maryland by the end of the year. So there's there's pieces in place for points bet to, you know, spread its wings a little bit with this deal with the, with the National Hockey League. You know, whether or not that, you know, how many teams they get on board that's yet to be determined, but the potential is in place for them to grow across the league in addition to signing as an official partner. I'm glad you brought up Peacock because I'm sure uh, you watch it, so you're probably familiar with it since you're such a big soccer fan, but I have not seen a lot of it. In fact, I just recently realized that I get Peacock because I'm an Xfinity customer, and and they had the, the the secondary sports betting broadcast for golf fans this weekend with waste management. Did you watch any of it? I unfortunately did not. I wanted to. I just never got around to it because I, as someone who used to do TV stuff, I was very curious to watch it unfold. I wanted to see how they, you know, how you, how you work with live TV with something like this for the first time, because it's as far as I know, the first time you've integrated live golf betting aside from yeah. like, you know, like those, those, like, you know, the, um, the Charles Barkley tournament. And things like yeah. that to do it to do it on on a on a four round level. There's a certain amount of swing, you know, you know, running without a net there. And I was curious to see it play out. At some point, I would like to watch it because I think it can be educational. And that was something I think they wanted to try and do in the first few weeks, mm-hmm. see how it works. And you know, and you also get to the point where you you start, you know, it leads into majors. Now, you know, granted, point the Peacock won't be around for the Masters, but I mean they'll have the U.S. Open which granted is a different governing body, but still, I mean, you're going to have a season long, you know, almost tutorial on how to bet golf. And that's interesting. So I, I saw a bunch of Saturday's coverage and I do like, I do like golf. I love betting on golf. It's very underrated. I think what you, <laughs> once you start doing it, you'll, you'll be in moving forward or you'll start to like the sport a whole lot more, but that's always what it's like. So, you know, for transparency, some of the people that listen to the station understand that I do do reads for points bet, but right. I, I'm also able to share my opinions on on what I saw. And as you would expect, the first go around, I thought there was some good and I thought there was some bad. But I also expected the worst and it was better than what I expected because naturally you're going to figure out like anything. OK, what did we do wrong? Here's what here's right. what I would. Here's what I would say, Chris. I would say that if you're a big golf fan and and you're all about seeing every single shot, you just want more, more, more golf, it's not the broadcast for you. You probably want to watch the main broadcast, and maybe this is on a side TV or laptop or something like well, that. But that's, what the, but that's what the eventual goal is. You want yeah. this on your second screen. That was something yes. that actually when, we, when I went to go visit Crestwood the other day, that was something that McTeel and I talked about in terms of, you know, you want, you want that second screen available because you, in turn, and this is from a point set point of view, you want that second screen available because that way you're giving them access to the digital market. And because points bet has their distinct style with points betting, it becomes a straight path to get them to be on board with that as well. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, there were some things that I saw, Chris, that I thought, you know, I don't know. I'm a better. So th- it's what I like. But some of the stuff that they were doing, I was like, I want to see that on CBS or NBC. Like when they show the leaderboard, OK, your leader, seven under, six under, five under, blah, blah, blah. Having the next column, you've got the odds for all of them too, like right down the line. So you can right. clearly see, OK, maybe there's some value on this golfer that's just 
uh, two shots back. Uh, at, at, when I watched the start of it, so we've all seen Red Zone and Scott Hansen get crazy. We've got the Octo Box. He's showing eight games at a time. <laughs> they, at one of the top of the hours, they did that with six different live cameras. I'm, I wanted to see more of that, and I only, I only saw them go to it like once in an hour. So my big thing with that is I want to see more. I actually want to see more of the trading desk, and I want to see more of that interaction with the announcers because I think you know, Grant. You know, again, for me, it's more about the tutorial. You know, when the yes. when the person at the desk explains why the odds are moving in a certain direction, there's going to be an aha moment for that casual, for the casual sports fan who may become then the casual better, and then it becomes maybe the casual better becomes the sports fan who is a better. Yes, and they had those interactions, and I liked it. They had the trader on there, and uh, Teddy Greenstein, many of us know from his years at the Tribune, he was on there kind of like a fourth voice. He wasn't on the entire time, but they would go back and forth with him. And that's the day, I don't know if you're paying any attention, Jordan Spieth made his big run. And well, he had the 61, right? Yeah, and, and Teddy's like, wait, he his odds should be shorter. And you know what? Points bet was right at the end about, about where his odds should be. Of course they were. So it, it was fascinating. I, I Do you know if we're going to see it on a more regular basis or uh, how that's going to work? I, I think it depends on what events the NBC has the rights to. Mm-hmm. And I also think, you know, it's also, you know, what can you do on site given the pandemic? You know, obviously different states are going to have different rules regarding what they allow in terms of, you know, media coverage in terms of bodies actually on the course. So I think, I think there's a lot of moving parts that they still have to navigate, but I mean, I, based on everything I've heard as well, I, it was a promising start. And I think they obviously have a plat, you know, a, a foundation to build on going forward that I'm curious to see how they actually build off. it. Yes. And uh, I think, couple years from now that is something we're going to see with a lot of different sports i can't wait to see how that develops one one other thing chris i know they're keeping you busy because uh you're covering (laughs) all of sports betting for the entire midwest like you've been doing it for a while with indiana and you're on top of it with illinois and now we've got all this stuff going on with michigan and all the books that have opened up as you now covered multiple states as they've gone over to legalization and then launching here. Uh, is there anything that you've noticed in, outside of Illinois? Uh, maybe they're do, doing something better or or not as good as Illinois? I think every state has its own quirks. I think I think Michigan is Michigan is going to wind up being a template for a lot of states that have tribal gaming to bring sports betting into the tribal gaming, which is going to be a lo- which is going to be a difference maker in a bunch of states out west. Mm-hmm. I think that template, because that was the reason why Michigan was able to put ten books essentially on the starting line a couple weeks ago and launch them. Wow! Because I, I want to say you know because you had the three casinos in Detroit, but everything else is tribal gaming. So you have set you had seven other operators align themselves with tribal gaming to launch and the Pokagon tribe in South Bend recently agreed to a, I believe it's called a level three compact in which they will be able to offer in-person sports betting. And that's going to be, you know, kind of important in South Bend come the fall, if everything, you know, comes to pass. And yeah, I think each state does something, you know, does something well. I, I mean, I think, you know, you know, we like to joke about, you know, this 45 day lag, but I also think that, 
Illinois does a very good job being thorough. And I think, you know, and, you know, they're also down a commit, a commissioner too, which, you know, kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Mm. But at the same time, you know, Marcus Schrechter, the administrator was given expanded powers and he's really made the most of making that shorthanded situation a seamless, you know, a seamless move that, you know, they're, they're going as best as they can. They're going as fast as they can. And I think, you know, to and, you know, and it's not just sports betting in the state. I mean, you, you have casinos that are being built. You had Rockford just be deemed preliminary suitable for the hard rock. So it's not sports betting doesn't operate in a vacuum in any state at this point. And I think every state is doing it's best because finding streams of low maintenance streams of revenue is now a premium based from this pandemic. After what happened this year, we're never going to be able to bet on the anthem legally. <laughs> it's never <laughs> happening. If that's a thing, if people really care about it. Yeah, there was this big controversy. A guy leaked the video, a reporter, and there were some sports bettors that were so upset with that because uh, they some of them got their uh, bets voided. But anyways, uh, Chris Eltruda at Eltruda73sportshandle.com. Chris, always enjoy uh, the visit. Thank you so much hey. for the info. Hey, thanks for having me on as always, Joe. Thank you. Good stuff there from Chris Eltruda. I find it fascinating. I do. And the waste management stuff, the, the uh, kind of the sports betting TV broadcast, yeah, you're going to see more of that. I mean, something that stuck with me, uh, when the marquee launched for the Cubs, that's something Crane Kenny was talking about years ago, years ago. Maybe we'll see it on a local, local level at some point. Joe Osho, 670, the score on the radio.com app. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 